Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Book More Show. It's Stuart Bell here and today joined by Betsy Vaughan. We're going to dive into a subject that, again, a lot of people have been asking recently of how best to use the book once it's created. So we obviously have strategy calls with the majority of our, th- of our authors that we work with. Um, one of the things that I'm always surprised that people don't think about doing is just sending out a letter or an email to existing customers and prospects. I think the allure, the attraction of brand new people always overshadows the fact that the people who already know you, trust you and like you to varying degrees, that's where the best relationships are and the best potential is. So I'm going to dive deep into a couple of examples of reaching out and contacting those people. Now your book is is out in the world and exists. And then we also touch touch on at the end, this idea of creating video, quick, short video, as a way of amplifying some of the messages in your book and as a way of having an excuse to reach out to people. So we often talk about this idea of flagship broadcasts and staying in touch with people over the long term once they've opted in, if they're not immediately ready to become customers. This idea of very quickly creating short, engaging videos that you can send out over the long haul is a super simple way of achieving this flagship broadcast type uh, type of communication if something more involved like a podcast is too difficult. So some fantastic content for everyone here, regardless of whether you've written a book with us or by yourself or whether you're thinking about it. This idea of staying in touch with people and using your book as the the uh, excuse to reach out to them fantastic opportunity to really get those conversations going so enjoyed this conversation that the time went fast excited for you to listen to it and i'll catch you on the other side betsy vaughan Stuart bell how are you today good thank you how's it going in sunny florida ah it's not so sunny <laughs> kind of a little cloudy today you know so um isn't it uh there's a mandate that the local tourist board says you're not allowed to talk about. So <laughs> if you're a resident, it will. No, I only do that when I'm talking to your wife. Like she thinks it's always sunny here. <laughs> like the weather is always perfect. We don't talk about it being cold or rainy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Keep up the uh, propaganda. The, right. uh, five to 10 year move down there permanently. Plan. <laughs> right. Exactly. So just keep her off the weather channel, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So Uh, so today I thought that we would talk about um, two things today in the same ballpark, this idea of, or giving people ideas of when you've written a book, because at the end of the day, we talk a lot about their book not being the product. It's the the conversation or the opportunity for the conversation that's the product. So what I... um, give some ideas a little bit more around that. We've done a few shows talking about the book yeah. creation process. and what a to great time. To some of the things you want to talk about, you know, I think people are sort of stuck right now and um, need some ideas or need some reminders even, you know, of what to do or what they can, can do if they're sort of stalled out from, you know, their promotion side of things, marketing side right. of things. Actually and, getting there and using it. Yeah. yeah. It's so, I think it's so much the, um, that psychological condition of that, I don't know if it's the the recency effect or just the, the kind of brighter light syndrome that it, it takes so many cycles to get it done, particularly if you're doing this by yourself without working with us. It's There's so many things that if you're going through this for the first time, you need to know that all of that kind of crowds out the bit that you should be concentrating on, which is 
just the content and then how you're going to use it once it's done. Right, Have I right. given the example of the uh, on the podcast before about when I imported a Japanese sports car into the UK? Um, I can't remember that. No, I'll say it again. Just I don't in think case. I've even heard this story. Oh, okay. <laughs> Please, so, uh, little Mitsubishi FTOs, which is like a little two-seater Mitsubishi sports car. I don't even think uh-huh. there's a US equivalent to it. Um, yeah. They were they, they did a short run UK run for them, but after that, they were mainly just. Uh, japanese cars and then because japan drives on the same side of the road as the uk japanese imports are um are a thing because the steering wheels on the right side of the car so i had a friend who'd imported a few cars in the past so i imported one of these and the actual importing bit of it was relatively straightforward especially with the friend kind of walking you through the steps but the overhead so you need to get it certificated when it's uh, like a safety certificate um like an annual inspection equivalent when it lands, uh, just to prove that it's mm-hmm. not a weird death trap. So that has an <laughs> overhead going through that. I mean, there was even the case where it was so many little things I must have had to, but even with, because um, this wasn't that many years ago, I mean, it was certainly in the days of being able to Google and YouTube things to see what the deal was. So even with that help, I mean, I still must have had to put it in for the test about four or five times because there were little things. I think the last pickup point that it failed on was the fog light. Um, you know, you get fog lights are a thing over here, aren't they? They are, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just the, I've been here for two years permanently. And I don't think I've had an occasion to use a fog light yet. So uh, anyway, so fog light. Well, well, well car, maybe not under like the, the fog, and then maybe two different things. Like, so the like your your cars have fog lights on them, yeah, and like they super like bright come lights. on autumn. Oh yeah, so yeah, I don't know if they're super bright, but they're like the they're typically considered the bottom of the car underneath all the other okay. lights. Those extra so lights I think down there. A lot of cars use them as like daytime running lights, or um, yes, yes, okay, or, or driver yes, lights. They sometimes call them. Yeah, yeah, so it's a similar thing. thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had this so, envision of this big bright light, like on the side of the car, you know, just, <laughs> you know, like a um, lighthouse light, just that. Right. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. That's how. Well, it's because all of the cars in the UK are steam powered, and we need the uh, <laughs> fog lights on the top, and there's that person walking in front of them with the horn. <laughs> hear ye, hear ye, ringing a bell. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, oh fog light. God. Japanese cars don't have fog lights by standard, so you have to. That's how you can usually tell a Japanese import because the models look the same, but all of them have got aftermarket fog lights. So oh. I was doing this myself. A lot of them are just like tacked on extra lights that are just stuck on the edge and they look rubbish. I thought, no, no, I'm going to do this properly and make it look nice. So I kind of cut it into where the license plate was and and made a nice housing for it and really subtly set it in there just so it looked as if it was um, as good as it could look. Anyway, apparently it needs to be one side of the car versus the other side of the car. I had it just off center on one side and it failed. So I had to oh. go get another license plate surround that, I, that I'd cut it into, cut it into the other side, send it back in, all of these things that... Um, so the point of this slightly rambling story is all of that mental overhead of just going through the production mm-hmm. on a thing that I was only ever going to do once. So kind of all of that learning went, um, all of that acquired knowledge was kind of wasted in the sense that mm-hmm. I never had the opportunity to use it again. But that mental overhead, I mean, all through that period, I barely even thought about driving the car. And it even got to the point where it was a damn pain in the neck, to be honest, trying to get it done. Right. Um, 
so the the same with the books. I think particularly if you're not working with someone, there's so much little bits and pieces of production overhead that is just mm-hmm. take cycles and burn cycles that the actual use case, how are you going to get it out there in front of people starting those conversations, which as we talk all the time is the important thing. It's easy for that to just get pushed further and further down the uh, important list. And the worst case scenario is people cross the finish line and then, oh, thank God for that. And and don't want to think about it for a couple of weeks. And then a couple of weeks turns into a couple of months and, and um, all the opportunities are on the I shelf. Think that is so, yeah, they do. You, we, I think we used to see more of people really like knowing what they were going to do at the end of, of this process. And now I feel like we get to, um, it's almost like I've started asking that question. Like, so what are we going to do with this book at the end of this? Making them right. think about it now at least planting that seed because we have had so many people that will get almost almost finished and say, can you help me with this book? Like, what do I do with it now? You know? Um, and yeah, we have resources. We have the beyond the book. That's, that's a valuable resource that all of our clients receive. And, and we're happy to, you're always happy to hop on a call and, and discuss, you know, strategize some things, but it's funny to me how many people just, I need to get a book, but what am I, Oh no, I have it. What am I going to do with it now? So, um, just to, <laughs> you know, just to use that, a couple of ideas would be, you know, would be helpful to people. At this right. Point. And even the couple to start with, because it does then generate its own momentum to mm-hmm. a certain degree. And once you've kind of broken the seal on, on using it in a few scenarios, others kind of reveal themselves just because you start thinking that way. I mean, the strategy calls, I'd probably say that the, um, cause it's only the kind of the, intro level the 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 fastest book option that we've got that's the only one that doesn't have any strategy elements included in it so it's probably a good 80 percent of people that we work with have some kind of strategy call and just as you say it's often people are arriving at that call saying okay well can you help me now what do i do which is Mm -hmm. a surprise i wonder if in a way it's because this kind of life cycle of using books as lead generation tools years ago it was something that was <clears throat> excuse me mm-hmm. sorry the emotion of the conversation is obviously getting to me <laughs> <laughs> the uh i need a i've i've got a mute button on my setup in the office but not at home so obviously need that mm-hmm. here as well um yeah sorry a life cycle of the of using books as a lead generation tool so years ago it was something that was relatively exclusionary it was difficult for people to do almost to the stage that the only option of doing it was to get a book deal and have some kind of publisher do it on your behalf then it was democratized a little bit in that it was easier to do technically but there was still quite an overhead so uh, amazon's create space platform kind of really brought that to the masses but it was still a lot of it was really only a diy type option and now obviously there's a number of companies around and certainly we're really trying to democratize it and bring it to everyone we're kind of very focused on getting that price so it's something that's achievable and, and helping people in the sense of using it but i think in that life cycle from a customer perspective from from you as a person thinking about writing it just moves to something that's in more people's awareness so it moves from okay i've got a use case for this i, sh- I need to do it can you help to I've seen everyone else doing it and I want to be left behind. Like having a, a, a website kind of 15 years ago, that same similar kind of transition. So I definitely don't think we're there, there yet. I mean, we're very much still in the early stage of that, but it definitely is more 
people see it not only as more accessible but more achievable now than perhaps even five or six years ago when we started and i I think you're right people will say Um, oh well so and so told me that they did a book and so i've been thinking about a book but i i can't tell you how often i hear um i've been thinking about this for like five years like i hear that all the time everybody (laughs) has that idea like i know i should do it i know i want to do it it's been planted for some time, you know, and then those are always the ones who get excited. Like I think about a call I have today about this gentleman who's been thinking about, he just finished his first book and he's been thinking about doing that first book for a number of years. And then finally, now he's like, well, I want to talk about more books, you know? And so there's that excitement that comes in and they realize, Hey, Again, it's, it's cracking the seal on it, and yes, right, yes. exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, so excited yeah. about it, and such a great tool, you know, um, to to use, and 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 like you said, we're not at that point where everybody has a book, like everybody has a website. So it's still that there's still that wow, you have a book, you know, factor, you know, yeah. that wow, that's impressive. You must be an expert. You must know what you're talking about, you know, kind of thing. So um, it's still... Even when it gets, even when it gets to the stage of, I mean, I don't think I'll ever get to the stage where everyone Mm -hmm. has one. It's it's definitely not as ubiquitous as a a website or a phone number would have been kind of 40 years before, 50 years before that. Um, It it still is a, a, I think there's a slightly different it's not as essential as those other elements those other elements are very much direct channels but even if the numbers increase substantially so it becomes far more common i think sticking with the website analogy you'll then see the use case elements coming into it so it's not just having one now then no longer becomes a differentiator but it's how they're used that's the differentiator so likewise today just having a website is no longer something special but there is a huge spectrum between people who are using their assets very well and those who are just throwing something up there because it's now become the minimum um, the minimum threshold to having something. So that, I guess, transitions as nicely into what we're going to talk yeah. about today and those kind of yeah. two use cases, two examples of how to use it ASAP, which are, which are probably most, uh, one of the most simple things that you can do. Sounds good. Okay, so... Two things we're going to talk about then. The first one is kind of a letter or an email out to existing clients and prospects. And then the second one we'll talk about is kind of this idea of, of a launch video or launch Zoom, something that you can use as a piece to get out there. And I think over the next couple of shows, we'll kind of expand on this a little bit more and go into the, um, we really suggest there's usually sort of five or six things that you can do out of the gate that are easy to that are really the minimum possible um, thing that you can do to use it in the best possible, to use your book in the best possible way. So we'll cover more of these over the next couple of uh, episodes in in between some interviews that we've got. Um, So we'll go deep on these two and then check back in in for some more in future shows. So the idea of a letter or an email announcing the book's release, this is, I mean, it's really the, the most straightforward thing you can think to do. If you've got any list at all, if you've got any existing customers, any unconverted prospects, then it's these people, the people who either absolutely know, like, and trust you the best because they are customers of yours, or the people who have already raised their hands and expressed an interest. It's that group of people that are the easiest to engage with because they're already there. Everyone gets kind of drawn to the flashy lights and and unlimited potential of new traffic. 
people talking about Facebook ads or postcards or print ads or um, or buying a list, ways of getting in front of new eyeballs. It's almost like the familiarity breeds contempt thing, kind of skipping over that gold or gold pile of the existing people looking for the unlimited but unconfirmed potential of something new. So with the people who are already on your list, there's two those two categories, customers and prospects. Now, the very simplest thing is to write one letter and send it to both of them, but that's um, that's probably a little too simple because what we really want to do is tailor the message to each of those groups. So when you think about it, those people, they're at different journeys of having different stages of the journey of your relationship. There's the customers who are the closest and the warmest and the most likely to be raving fans of yours already and the prospects who are aware of what you do but for whatever reason either it's not time for them or um, or they're on the prospect list but they're actually not real prospects they're just there because they haven't kind of removed themselves then those two groups have got different um, there's a way of talking to them in different ways so when we look at the customer group it's the people who you know who they are. If you spoke to them, um, if you had reason to speak to them individually, you'd have some kind of understanding, particularly even with a cursory glance at what you've done with them before. You'd know who they are, where they came from, and what their scenario was, and how you were able to help, and any of the challenges that you had. So writing a letter or an email to them, and I'm talking about letters and and emails in the same sentence, obviously, because the format's the same. It's words on a page, but the delivery mechanism also gives a slightly different feeling to it. So a letter is something, a handwritten letter is something that people rarely get. And the open rate on them is probably close to 100% because it's so unusual. So depending on how many customers you've got, obviously that's easier or or more challenging, just a, a numbers game. But writing this letter that we'll describe in a second, handwriting it to them is the most personal you can get to. Now, the practicality of that is obviously a little bit different for most scenarios, unless you've got a very small client list. So typing, but having it in a handwritten envelope, typing, but making sure that you individually sign it, um, ways of streamlining some of the process from a production point of view, but making sure that the message is very personalized and tailored to the the individual group of people, that's going to give the best returns. So as the book's written, writing to existing customers and saying something along the lines of, hey, Betsy, I've just finished writing my book on whatever the subject is. Obviously, we work to, we've worked together and it's people just like you who we can help the best. So because I respect your opinion, I just want to get a copy of the book to you first before it goes to anyone else. Um, for this group of people, I'd ideally print some and, and send it as a printed copy and then personalize the inside of it. Because again, assuming the numbers are in the low hundreds, it, that's achievable with with a little bit of effort. And I guess even you don't actually need to write it yourself. You could Someone in the team could write it, but obviously be careful of the uh, authenticity behind it. Um, but writing saying, I wanted to get this copy to you because your opinion is uh, is one I value. I wanted to share this with you before anyone else. I wanted to um, give you the opportunity, if you know someone else that this would benefit, then just let me know and I'll get them a copy too. Then that's a way of engaging 
those personal customers in the most personal way possible. Because thinking about it in a bigger picture, what we want to do with existing customers is there's an opportunity to further help them with a product or service that they might not be using that could give them value. And sharing your book with them is a way of raising your hand on their radar again in a way that gives, knowing that you're going to ask for something later on. So you might follow up with an email to them a week or two later, referencing something in the book, linking it to a another additional service that you offer and asking the uh, whatever way you've decided is the easiest way for them to get started, presenting that offer to them to get started. So sending them a copy of the book kind of warms up the relationship again in a way that's giving. Asking existing customers for refer- uh, for um, referrals and recommendations or connecting, uh, making connecting conversations with other groups you want to work with. All of these things are things that we want to strategically have in our after unit, have in our relationship with existing customers and sending them the letter as personalized as practical with a copy of the book, with an inscription, highlighting, maybe stick a post-it, highlighting a particular chapter that's relevant to them. Anything you can do to kind of make that the most individual connection possible, then that's going to be the highest value for that group of people, as opposed to sending out just a blanket email saying, hey, I've written a new book, go buy a copy. Obviously, that's not uh, that's not progressing the relationship very much at all. The individual breakdown of how the language goes, the the wording that you include on there, the how many subgroups you break it into, whether you've got all customers are in one group or whether in a couple of different groups, whether you've got some more recent customers and then a separate group of customers that you haven't spoken to for a long time. The language might vary letter by letter, but the the um, intent the the reason for doing this outreach is to engage with those people who are the ones that know, like, and trust you the most in a way that's as personal as possible, given the practical constraints of how much time you've got and how many customers you need to need to get through. But really writing it in a way of, I've just written this, I think it provides value to people because it, it shares more of the subject. I sent it to you because you're the closest group, the people who I know I can trust the the most. I wanted to get it in your hands before anyone else and just make that very personal connection. Yeah. Does that one make sense? No, that makes total sense. I think that personal connection is so important. Like you said, it could just be like a, hey, here's my book. Hope you read it, whatever, you know, kind of thing. But to to really engage, I think, is is where you're going to get the response. Um, get and them, it's just you know, thinking about them. it in a little bit. Right. Yeah. And thinking about it in a little bit more of an orchestrated way, rather than doing the the bare minimum of, of just sending something out without really thinking about how it's received mm-hmm. at the other end. Instead, thinking about the, if I could do this one-on-one and give 100% attention just to this one piece of, this one connecting piece, how would it look? And then from that point, then think about practical scale. Okay, I can't handwrite letters to each individual person because it right. would just take too long what can I do to make it appear as, well, not even appear, what can I do to make it as personal as possible, given that the the real constraints that exist? Mm-hmm. I think there's a way of looking at it. Sometimes we say, um, it's, it's so funny, even on like the entrepreneur list, we've got on Dean's side of the business where we're dealing with tens of thousands of people who've been on the list for 
years when we're sending out the entrepreneur emails and still to this day we have people replying as if they're replying to dean individually Mm -hmm. now a lot of the emails that do go out particularly the the um the in the ones asking individual things it's very often dean is is writing Mm -hmm. that uniquely the other emails which are the more flagship broadcast emails that um, we'll actually talk about in a future show we've talked about in the past this idea of as people raise their hand and join the list if now isn't now for them how can you communicate with them over the long term in an easy way so those communications that we refer to as flagship broadcasts so those actually go out on more of a an automated schedule there's more of a automated setup but still, if Dean could write it individually to one person, these are still the words that he would write. It's just that we have to scale it because there's so many people that we're needing to send it to. But how the people receive it, even though these people are on Dean's entrepreneur list, out of everyone across the whole population, they're the most likely people to understand what a flagship broadcast mm-hmm. is. But still, because we write in such a way that we write for individuals, we just deliver at scale because we're writing for individuals, the person receiving it isn't thinking about that delivery mechanism. They're just thinking about the individual letter that they received. So there is a way of thinking about scale in a negative sense. And all this was just a broadcast message that went out. But if instead you think about it as, okay, what would the personal message be that I could write? Understanding that there are some practical constraints that it has to be delivered at scale. But still having that mentality, having that position of writing it as if you're writing to that one person it changes the tone and the language and the and the expectation that does come across to the receiver. So Absolutely. that's definitely the way of thinking about it, even if you are trying to do it at scale. I totally agree. I agree with that. So um, my, I was referred to him as my fiance, but now he's my husband and did a, a campaign <laughs> recently. That sometimes it's weird to say that. Um, and so he was, he, he brings home these, he's going to do a mailer, you know, um, 800 people, 800 people, mailer, person, mailer, mailer. And, um, he says, well, I'm going to hire the daughter to address these. And I thought, well, it is 2020, like <laughs> print out some label, you know? And I, again, from my, and I get why, but I'm thinking, Oh, she's agreed to this job for this small amount of money, not realizing, you know, and she, but actually she ended up handwriting each, uh, you know, name and address to each client. Um, And, and the letter wasn't actually personalized, but the envelope looked like, you know, because it was like this handwriting of this 23 year old who's kind of messy, but it looked like, (laughs) Oh, well this, it looked like it was more important you know, that it right. wasn't just another piece of junk mail, you know, and so it was, you know, it was worth it. And he was kind enough to give her a little extra money for doing it because he didn't he realize what a <laughs> job was. But it's that kind of thing that just like, oh, this is a personal piece of mail. This is not just, you know, some junk that has a label, just even that, you know. So the letter he did not personalize, but the envelope did. And it really, you know, I mean, he he, he has gotten a lot of response out of that. So um it's amazing how when someone feels like it's just them you know people respond yeah and that's the way of thinking about it i mean the practical constraints that mike had for that project was Mm -hmm. he could get someone to handwrite all of the envelopes but it's impractical Mm -hmm. to handwrite all of the letters so that was a practical constraint but writing it and the personal sentiment that was going into it i would imagine that if 
Mike had the time to do it, that he would have handwritten all of the letters oh, to right, all of right. the people individually. Because I know Mike, and that's just the connection that he's got with right. with his customers. I mean, he's personally engaged with mm-hmm. with all of them, and mm-hmm. a lot of them have been there for many years. So he's got that kind of history and right. um, not quite like a family doctor, but kind of like a family right. house doctor. <laughs> right, um, exactly. So that practical um, limitation knowing that and knowing what that level is so that was about 800 or so envelopes and Mm -hmm. a couple of days worth of effort of someone just doing that dedicated so that just goes to show if as you're listening to this you're thinking oh my list is 100 people that's too many well it probably is too many for you to do individually but it's not too many for you to get someone else to do and the benefit the kind of cost benefit analysis of just getting it down to pure numbers of being able to have that connection and and feedback from people it's worth the effort now if it was eight thousand obviously that's yeah. a yeah that's not an option totally right but, right but having that hitting that sweet spot between what can be done it and what is just then starts getting um it's just too much of an overhead, not because it's not worth it even, but just because it will take too long and you won't get around to it. Um, that's that's a great way of thinking about it. And within the category, so as we were um, we were talking about the letter that Mike did and um, thinking about some other um, some other organisations. So even that letter, I think it was there was time and effort spent on the envelope part of the exercise, which would have increased the open rate. I mean, if we think about email metrics, we're kind of often looking at kind of deliverability, open rates, and then how many people clicked or took an action at the end of it when we're looking at the overall success. So bridging that across into physical mail, the open rate for um, that handwritten envelope will have been astronomically higher than if there had just been labels or printed uh, directly on the envelope whether or not the um the response rate to the content itself the letter went out there and it was done and it was a project that was very successful overall i mean very successful overall yeah. we were looking at the the outcomes at the end of it yeah yeah it might have been an option to tailor that further and break down the groups a little bit more and be a little bit more specific on the call to action depending on whether the customer was a an air customer, a water customer, a remediation customer. But that wasn't what happened and didn't need to be what happened. The overall campaign was very successful and Mike could have spent another three weeks trying to break down the groups into different groups and tailor the perfect group. But it's not the the cost-benefit analysis of that wasn't worthwhile. So I think as you're listening to this and thinking for your own, I would start off by writing one lesson that would go unless your groups are very clearly separate mm-hmm. and it's very obvious and easy to separate them just write one letter first that announces the that you've just written the book you wanted to get it to you guys first do you wanted to get it to you first because you guys is as i was saying that that's a general term and we want to be individual so i've just written this book i wanted to get it to you first because our relationship is important start off with that one and then if you've got time later tweak the words and separate that into groups because it's you know unless until you actually press print on the letters it's easy to change the digital content Mm. but yeah think about the most achievable but most um considered option first and then add to it afterwards if you've got time or kind of emotional budget in the project um that's fantastic that's customers um 
So I just can quickly reiterate that last point that I touched on at the end there, just in case it wasn't clear what I was trying to say. Um, as I was describing what the letter should be, I use um, I use the example of, hey, here's, I just wrote my book. I wanted to get it out to you guys, which obviously you would never write you guys anyway. But just the the prospect, uh, the um, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The um, <laughs> the setup behind it, the idea of thinking about how you're writing. Me saying hey, I've just written a book and I want to get it out to you guys. That's not writing to an individual. That was whatever the final language would be. Right. If we sent it out with um, with generic terms in there, making it clear that the letter was going to multiple people, that's not as beneficial as writing it to the individual. So once you've written this, before you actually hit send, definitely give it to someone else and tell them that mm -hmm. this is a letter I'm sending to you as an individual. Is there anything about the language that makes it seem like this is a, group email as opposed to me individually writing to you that's a great check and balance on anything really you write. because the majority of times we're always trying to write to individuals even if we're delivering it to the same thing to multiple people so right. that's a good check that's a good point yeah that's a good, right yeah all right so the okay. same with uh, prospects so mm -hmm. we've talked about sending it to people that are customers sending it to prospects again we want to write it in a way as if it's going to an individual although we're sending it to multiple individuals mm -hmm. but here the difference is that they're not customers already you don't have that relationship you're not going to ask them for referrals or recommendations or testimonials further down the track the point of sending it out isn't to reinforce the relationship more the point of sending it out is to reinforce to them that they were in the right place when they were looking for the solution to the problem that made them inquire in the first place and here's some additional information that they can evidence to themselves that this course of action is the right course of action and they're in the right place so a good way of thinking about that is we often talk to people that we're writing with in terms of the back of a copy and someone requests a copy of your book because they want the answer to the question that you promise in the title. You give them those in, you give them that information and those steps they need to take in the content. It's that kind of very deep but very narrow um problem that you're trying to solve and book that you're trying to write about but then on the back cover you introduce the obvious next steps so if we were given instructions from people to get to from philadelphia to tampa i might give them the overview of the overall journey but if i could say to them okay take these five next turns and then when you get to that turn there'll be someone there waiting with the next step of instructions that's going to be much easier for them to take that first step and and start the journey rather than just reeling off a whole set of instructions and in expecting people to understand the whole journey before they even start. So the same with the journey that people on board with, they raise their hand wanting that first step in the, in the journey towards the solution. But it's not, um, we don't have to give them everything now. In fact, it would be detrimental to give them everything now. But at the end of this step, we want to give them signposts to, th to the next one. So on the back of a copy, we're often talking about, okay, give people an easy way just to generally learn more if they're kind of just tire kickers at this stage. If, if now isn't the time for them, how can they just um, broadly know that they're in the right place and remember that you're there for at some point in the future when now is, it is now for them. The second step is then this point that we're talking about with the book. The second step is providing them with additional information to 
evidence to themselves that yes they're in the right place yes this is the journey that they should be on if they want to get to the destination and yes there's an easy next step there's an easy step for them to take immediately that will get them that one step that kind of minimum viable commitment step down the road towards that destination so the book feeding back to prospects people who have been on the list for a while your book can be another step to another stage to asset the evidence is to them that they're in the right place so hopefully you know where people have come onto the list from if they've come on from with um not necessarily the destinations as in whether they came from opting in from your website or from a facebook ad but where they are on the journey so what it was they opted in for obviously it's easier if everyone opts in for the same kind of thing but if they've come in from very different places then sending a letter to them that kind of reinforces where they came from talks again about where they came from and then goes on to say well actually i've just written the book that talks specifically about this so if you check out chapter three it goes into more detail about this there's some insights and some steps you can take to take you further down the journey by the way whenever you're ready i'm here to jump on a a um a strategy call or come to the office or fill out the the um, assessment or take the scorecard or whatever the next step is. But this letter forms part of that second step. It's another asset that you can send to people to reinforce that they're in the right place. That this is a step in the journey. And by the way, here's the call to action to then get to the step further on than where they are now. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. That's great. So I think that idea of understanding where the prospects are coming from, understanding the purpose, the job of work of sending them a letter with a copy of the book or with a, a, a link, a URL, so they can get a copy of the book. A couple of the specifics then, think about they're on your list already. You know who they are because you're sending something specifically to them. So you don't necessarily want to make these guys jump through a hoop of opting in again because it's mm-hmm. it's pointless. If you can send them to a landing page with a personalized url so that you know when someone clicks on that then that will be a way of tracking if they respond um you don't even need to worry about that though you could send them to a url where they just download a copy of the book because you've got a strong call to action on that same page so send them a link to the download destination download destination has the cover of the book on the page where they can just click and download it straight away but then there's a box below that says here take the next step whether that's schedule a call with me or fill out the assessment or download our white paper or our checklist have those things there and then and that can be behind an opt-in because i in theory you need to know where to send that other asset to so understanding where they're where they are on the journey writing a letter that ties in with that journey step and kind of links reminds them they're in the right place and then gives them an easy next step all of those are more likely to make that prospect email or letter, again, depending on the numbers. Prospect ones, I guess, are more likely to be emails and customers are more likely to be letters, all of the things being equal. Um, but yeah, positioning it in that way is is this second great group of people to get out to immediately. Yeah. Okay, so far so all good? Right. So far so good, um, yeah. Perfect. I just realized I don't think I noticed when we started recording. So, oh, actually, I can see on the screen. We're way mm-hmm. further in than I thought we would be, which <laughs> yeah. is kind of par for the course. Um, okay, so I think we're coming up on half an hour. I'm just going to hit the video one pretty quickly then, because hopefully 
it kind of ties in with what we've said already. This, as we move into thinking about a different thing now and and a launch video, then the key thing is thinking about the recipient and how they're receiving it and where they are on the journey. So a lot of what I've said already crosses over into the video in the mindset that you're going into it. And then it's just the delivery mechanism, how you're actually doing it that's different. So keep in mind everything that we've talked about so far. And let's talk quickly about launch videos, because I think where we are at the moment in the whole, where are we now, like the end of, coming up to the end of July, the whole kind of pandemic situation isn't resolving itself particularly quickly. But what has happened since February is everyone's got way more comfortable with video as a means of of engaging with people, Right. whether that's video. So when you think about the um, Apple's WWDC that was earlier in the month, that was... um, Oh, well, even maybe last month now. God, time goes fast. <laughs> um, that was by video where in the past, I mean, that was that was never even a possibility. All things like the number of Zoom meetings that we're probably all on these days, again, mm-hmm. that would have been quite a different thought this time last year or even at the beginning of the year compared with where we are now. So as far as your book launch goes, that gives a very similar opportunity than with the, um, with the letter and email that we just talked about. The launch video, similar opportunity to engage with those customer groups. And there's actually a third one that I'll include as well. If this is invisible prospects, people that you don't know about yet. So with the existing customers and prospects, the opportunity to do a video that amplifies the message that you've got in the book is a fantastic way of engaging with people at a time when they're probably more likely to be at home and they're probably more inclined to consume video than a year ago. So in addition to everything that we've said, doing a video, and again, it is really up to, is a practical constraint on how much time you've got. So I'll describe mm-hmm. all of them, but you don't necessarily have to do all of them. You could do one combined one. But ideally, we want to do three videos or three types of video. One going to existing clients, one going to existing prospects, those people you do know about, and one going to potentially new customers that you don't know about at all yet, those invisible prospects. The one to customers is really amplifying the message of the letter. So if you've got the opportunity to either at the same time as the letter or following the letter, use it as a follow-up piece, share a video with people that really goes through the book and allows you to talk about and amplify on certain points in the book relative to where the person's coming in. So if they're customers already, you're not trying to sell people on the idea of working with you, they already do, but you might be promoting a new product or service in the way that we talked about in the the letter, the letter is the introduction to warm up the relationship to send further things down the track. This potentially is one of those further things. So video years ago, just as we were talking about with creating books and building websites, it used to be a huge barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. But honestly, now, if you've got a flagship mobile phone, either an uh, iPhone or uh, whatever other phones that aren't iPhones are, I don't even know. <laughs> um, got any phone that costs more than a couple of hundred dollars um then that camera is better than any camera you could have bought five years ago yeah just a selfie style arm's length video talking about the book in a passionate way is absolutely going to tick the box of this exercise that we're trying to do because what we're trying to do through the medium of video is create something that's engaging and gets people makes a more of a personal connection with them so it doesn't need to be over complicated it doesn't have to be overly produced 
it can be as simple as hey everyone i just wanted to shoot this video the new book's out i've got a copy in my hands here i've really wanted to highlight something in chapter three because even when we were writing the book i was aware that this is sometimes a little bit of a difficult concept to for people to get their head around and then just elaborate on something for a couple of minutes the idea is to share that passion to share why it's important to amplify the point that's already in there don't use the video as an excuse to introduce new stuff what you're trying to do is amplify the thing that's already there for two reasons one because it's less complicated for people to to you um, receive it's less complicated for you to do because you're talking about something that you've already done and it just reinforces the thing that's already there so right. not trying to new stuff just trying to amplify the thing that's already created because in all of this that we talk about writing the email the video that we're talking about shooting now some of the things that we'll talk about in the next couple of episodes we're really talking about trying to leverage the thing that you've already created we're not trying to give you another job and make it more difficult for you we're just trying to get the best outcome for the thing that you've already done this is why scorecards are so good scorecards for coach clients that have gone through the process they've done all of this work hours worth of work to create a scorecard and then creating a scorecard book creating a scorecard website creating a scorecard postcard all of that is just using the, the work's already been done it's just putting it right. out in a different way so That's without fantastic. going too far yeah. time. so that video can be used for that same video could be used for customers or prospects um and in fact right. it could actually be used for visible prospects after they've opted into the book so let's say now you've got the book created you put it on the website you maybe do a, a facebook ad about the book when people opt in having this video asset that amplifies a point that's in the book that can be used as the follow-up sequence so day one they receive the book day two you send them a spear question Hey Betsy, what business are you in? Hey Betsy, do you have a book title yet? Hey Betsy, are you looking for a home to live in or a house to invest in? Hey Betsy, do you have a wedding date planned yet? All of these spear questions to follow up with, that's a great initial response. Then follow that up with the following day. Hey Betsy, I just shot this video. Even when I was writing the book, I know that there was one particular concept that people struggle with. So I just wanted to shoot this video to kind of give you a little bit more insights into the important bit. So on page 17, you'll see that we're talking about and amplify it from there. So this idea of creating a video, I just talked about one example that's fit for multiple purposes, but you could also, if you've got time, create individual videos that amplify the relationship aspect of it. So, hey, I just wanted to shoot this quick video. As a customer, I know that we've worked together closely. You're the exact type of person that we work with best. I really want to amplify this point in chapter six of the book because we touch on it a lot in the review sessions that we do, but a lot of people kind of see it, but they gloss over it or they think that it's simple and dismiss it. But actually this is a powerful thing. And then talk about it, building the relationship to the prospects list. Hey, I just wanted to shoot this video for you because I know that this is a stumbling point for a lot of people. It's not until you get a book title that you really get the passion for the project because up until that, it's something that you want to do. But until you've got the title dialed in, it's almost like that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. Once you've got a title, then you can get passionate about the whole project and the words that you put on the page afterwards follow through. So in the book here, we talk about picking titles and there are five title types that we talk about a lot. So take some time, read this chapter. I've actually got some audio over here as well where we did a workshop. Anyway, just wanted to get this video out to you because I know titles are such a stumbling block for people, but really it's pretty straightforward and it can unlock the keys to the rest of the book. 
Right. So when you think about the book, I'm sorry, when you think about the book, like there's really multiple potential opportunities for, a, you know, a, a video there, because you, like I said, you can, you can do one, just sort of a launch in the book, if you will, but also you can, you know, today might be a good day to talk about chapter six, you know, but then maybe you're getting a lot of questions that pertain to chapter three. So you have the opportunity to, to put yourself out there multiple times, you know, if you want to do shorter videos, if you want to do longer ones, yeah, I talk about all of it, you know, but in general sense, but if you want to sort of pinpoint. Exactly. And this goes back to the job of work versus the doing it for the sake of doing it. So doing a video for the sake of doing it, people might think, okay, I got to do this video. I'm going to make it big and long and go through the effort. I never want to do it once. I never want to think about it again. So it turns into this big overhead, right? Doing short video, especially these days, again, with the um, the amount of hours of YouTube or TikTok or Facebook video or Instagram video, all of that, all of that, 99% of it, I'd hazard a guess at, is handheld selfie style stuff. People Mm -hmm. are doing vlog type stuff, which is quick and easy to do. Now, obviously, the technology there is advanced as well. So people have got higher production values but it's not film studio stuff. So short content that's quick and to the point. The whole purpose we talked about was the book is a lead in to people joining the list. It's the minority of people who are ready to go today, but the power is really in the long tail, the ability to encourage people to join the list because of the book. But now you've got their details. You can communicate with them until now is now for them, which could be, two days or two weeks or two months or like you say we have how many calls do we get where people have said oh yeah, yeah. start thinking about this five years ago right. and the book if you're looking at a year's worth of content to be able to send people an email every week for the majority of people out there you could film two three minute videos on 52 subjects just by opening the book closing your eyes licking the tip of your finger and just dropping it on a word and that would be enough inspiration to film something against even if even if that you think that's a struggle well pick two things per chapter which i'm adamant that everyone can pick two things per chapter that gives you 12 24 however many pieces of um, however many pieces you can pull out of it just as the easy top level things that you can do and as soon as you kind of get to 12 15 pieces then film all of those first just a two minute selfie videos to drop into a sequence and by the time you've got that i guarantee you you've got another 12 to 15 pieces that will pop up just because you could go on and talk about it even once you start you can like we've done now i mean (laughs) we had assumed that we'd be talking about this relatively quickly but we're well past half an hour now so as you do it the next set will come up and then from questions the feedback and the comments that you get from the first couple that last set will come up now you've got 52 assets it's absolutely fine to recycle those every year because no one's going to remember something that you sent them 12 months ago. Mm-hmm. So now your whole follow-up funnel is done just because you've taken that time to leverage the assets from the book in the first place. And that's just talking about video. That's not talking about doing different things with audio or doing different things with graphics to illustrate the point or do different things with current news that's happening in your industry or things that are happening that you can do the bridging technique that we've talked about before of talk about one particular subject, but then bridge it into content that's in the book. I mean, it really is limitless. Yeah, it really is. I mean, uh, we can talk again. about this. I was just going to say, I can feel myself getting more <laughs> passionate about it. And, and, <laughs> right, right, right. But, yeah. so, 
but it's really it's one of those things that you know if you if you're just using the book, but also if you're putting this somewhere on social media or giving somebody even sending it out in an email or something, you're giving people the opportunity that, that they may present things to you that need to be talked about, right. you know, and and so it really is a cycle that will just continue to go on, you know. Um, yeah, that very valuable information. But next time, let's do um, that launch video that we talked about there was a little bit, uh, it was very similar to the first subject, just in a different format. Right. It is another element of launch videos or launch Zooms that are more of, kind of the presentation kind of thing, having an event-based launch. Um, and the event-based launch, it doesn't actually have to be when you launch. It can be, because you're not, this isn't a book launch. Again, because the book isn't a product, we're not trying to juice sales for the book. We're not doing a, a tour because we've got a small period of time where we're trying to artificially hit a bestsellers list just so we can kind of, tickle our ego and and stick link uh, stick amazon bestseller on our linkedin profile <laughs> um instead <laughs> we're talking about launching it to actually get business so whether or not you've actually launched your book now or whether you're just relaunching it in air quotes because of the pandemic and because you've got a different take on it or because it's important because of what's happening out in the world this launch event is another opportunity. So let's talk about that next time because there's uh, there's yeah. a way of of picking up some attention and and uh, positioning it in a certain way that will will have the uh, have the best outcomes based on what we want to do, which is get real potential customers in conversations with us. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. A lot of great yeah. information. And I think it's a lot of things that, you know, like, like I said, we hear it all the time, you know, what do I do? And, and how do I do this? And, um, Oh, Oh, poo, I have, I have a book and I don't know what to do with it. So <laughs> no. there's a lot of, you know, a lot of yeah. ideas there, you know, um, that I think, and even, scary. even if you don't have a book, I think there's just a lot of ideas on putting yourself out there or your business out there, you know, um, to talk I mean, about. you don't have to have a book. Fun. Yeah, that's so true because everything we're talking about really can be with using it in the framework of the book, obviously, because that's what we're doing day in, day out. But if you've just written a 400 word blog post, I mean, it's slightly more difficult because yeah. you've got less source material you're working with. But everything that we've talked about can be done for that as well. Or right. if you just recorded a video, or if you've um, put out a new checklist, any individual asset that you create i mean the benefit of a book is that it is a book and there's a whole kind of social psychological um persuasion elements that come with that but you're right it's just as applicable to other stuff i think people get overwhelmed like they get overwhelmed with the idea of writing a book and that's why we try and make it so easy it that that stops people for multiple years because it can seem overwhelming because they've got all of this preconceived baggage about what it means with writing a letter with an email campaign with drip content with recording a video again people can go into this analysis paralysis mode and it just seems scary yeah. when really it doesn't have to be just getting it out there is going to get you 80 percent of the way to to where you want to be and then feel free to refine and kind of dial it in after that yeah yeah very good great cool 
Yeah, and I, I would add, if we have any of our, anybody that has written a book and, and they want, want to share any of their ideas that they have done as far as, you know, put videos or emails and stuff, we'd love to hear from you. You know, we'd love to hear about that. Um, yeah, absolutely. A little bit more, you know. So we, typically we have to go chase those things to find out, oh, what are you doing? How are you doing? But it's nice if somebody wants to, if you're thinking about, oh, I just did a, a video or I was just on something, you know, um, watch my YouTube video or I did this on Facebook. Let us know. We'd love to hear about that, you know. Yeah, that's such a great point because it's so, um, those real life examples make it so much easier yeah. for other people to kind of, it's easy for us to sit here and talk about it because we're doing it day in, day out. Mm -hmm. But it's so much easier for people to kind of conceptualize or, or imagine themselves in that position when they're talking to or hearing about other um, right. other people who are, are actively doing it. I think if you've got it, um, the examples as you listen to this, the examples that you're thinking about, just uh, shoot uh, myself and Betsy a note to, podcast at 90 minute books or support in 90 minute books and uh if you want to shoot a video then um we uh, we can share that as well so feel yeah. free to do that and get the um uh, give examples of, of the way that you've used it it's so exciting to see those real real cases yeah it is it is um so well with that then let's wrap up i'm going to put um this is going to be episode 107. So we'll put some links into the show notes for 107. Uh, the transcript will be up there. If you want to um, skip through the transcripts, just get back to some pieces that we've talked about in the past. Um, the other thing is, oh, as well that I'll link to is the podcast that we've done with uh, previous clients because a lot of those guys are talking about how they're using their books in different scenarios. Yeah, so sure. we've got on the website, there's a, a category for interviews that we've done with people in the past so by all means look at that and check that out to see yeah. how people have um, the, the real life examples of how people have been using it very good all righty well thank you for your time as always betsy my pleasure Thank you, everyone that's listening. Um, if you have got any uh, questions about how you can use your book, um, I guess whether or not you've written it with us, I, I don't really mind. I enjoy talking about this. Then just right. shoot us an email to uh, podcast at 90 Minute Books and we'll pick up those messages. As I say, we help everyone with this stuff as we're going through the process. So to get your book out there in the fastest possible way, then head over to the Getting Started links on the 90 Minute Book website. Or again, if you've got a question, just shoot one to us at uh, support at 90 Minute Books. And we'll be happy to help and excited to get you on your way. Very good. Alrighty. Thank you, everyone. Stay safe out there and we will catch you in the next one.